All right, it might be raining, but at least it's Friday. What do you think of that? Yes, it's time for Ask the Preacher, because that's how we kick off every weekend. Ask the Preacher, brought to you by Believer's Fellowship Church. They're located in North Lakeland. Ask the Preacher with John Freed. John's out, but sitting in is George. Yippee, yip, 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 yippee. Welcome, everybody. It is kind of a gross day out there. It's raining. As Eric mentioned, there's a line of showers coming in. When I left my house in Bartow, it was nasty. I mean, I don't live in Bartow. Government is listening. It's fine. Anyway, welcome to the program. Hey, this is just a reminder that you... Yes, you can call in and be part of the conversation. Our phone number to join in, have your questions answered, uh, to give us your thoughts about what we're talking about today is 863-682-1430. You can also go to askthepreacher.com and you can check out previous episodes. You can submit a question on our form there and we will do our best to answer said question uh, on the next program. And uh, like Eric said, John is out today. He is uh, out of uh, out of the studio, and I know that depresses a lot of you. And uh, he is in our thoughts and our prayers. It's a good thing that he's gone. I mean, he's doing some great work uh, where he's at, but we're going to have a great time today. And if you guys uh, have been a listener of the program for any amount of time, you'll know that uh, when I'm often here as a guest, I'm a bit of a nerd, and I like to dig into the deep things of the Word of God, and and I like all of us to put on our theologian hats and uh, go past the milk, the baby food of the Word of God, and really get into the meat, the hearty stuff. And we're going to do our best to do that today. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff, um, interesting things in my opinion. We're going to talk about salvation, what it is, how it's obtained, and how it is possible now, hear me on this. Get, get ready to have your uh, hard-to-swallow pills uh, go down here. How it is possible that you and I could sincerely desire to be saved, yet we could be barred from doing so. We could be missing out on that opportunity uh, despite our best intention and desires to be so. And we're going to try to tackle all of that today, but we have limitations on the radio. It's uh, short time frames between our segments. We only got four of them. So here's what we're going to start out with. I want to start out with a very quick but thorough explanation on what salvation is. And I'm just going to explain it quickly and then when we come back from the break, we're going to look at some scriptures and we're going to see how I got to these conclusions. And here's why it's important. Last week uh, when John was in the studio, I was here, we were talking and, and I want you guys to do this exercise along with us. Last week in the studio, I proposed a question and a, a little uh, play along that, that you can participate in right now. When I, I told John, I said, hey, John, I'm thinking of an actor. And uh, this actor, he's a he's a white guy. He's about five, four, definitely under six feet. Um, great smile. He's in a lot of movies. Um, th this actor, Tom, he he's a likable person. Tons of people like him. Um, and uh, of course, I'm talking about the famous actor, Tom. Fill in a last name. 
Am I talking about Tom Cruise? No. Am I talking about Tom Hanks? No. Tom Hiddleston? No. Tom Selleck? No. Uh, maybe I was talking about Tom Hardy. And so the exercise is to go to prove this point. This person that I'm describing, all of those Toms, they, they have the same role. They have the same title of actor. They have some of the same characteristics and qualities that you might use to describe them. But each person is different and unique. And here's why it's important. There are lots of people out there. Uh, I've heard the phrase, my Jesus. Lots of people have their version of Jesus and who he is. And some people will have similar characteristics to the biblical Jesus. There are some groups out there who will say, yeah, Jesus lived a perfect life and he died on the cross and he rose again, but he's actually a man who evolved into God. Well, that's not the same Jesus of the Bible. That is not uh what the Bible describes him as. And then there's some people who will say, yeah, you know, my Jesus, you have to believe in him. You have to trust in his sacrifice. And um, he is the brother of Lucifer. Well, that's also not in the Holy Scriptures. It's in some cult writings, but it is not in the Bible. And so the characteristics of people's Jesuses, they might sound the same as the biblical Jesus, but the person, the entity, the being, the character is different at its core. And so we're going to tackle all of these subjects today. So if that interests you, stay tuned in. Again, the phone number is 863-682-1430. Before we go to break, I want to explain how salvation works biblically, and then we'll tackle the verses to explain how we got there. So we have all violated God's law. He had a certain set of rules Things like, do not lie, do not steal, do not commit adultery, don't murder. And we've all been guilty of it. If we've stolen anything, you're a thief. Even if it was a paperclip from the office. If you've hated somebody, even for a moment, Jesus said you've committed murder in your heart. If you've lusted, Jesus said you've committed adultery. And so if we're all being honest, we're all lying, thieving, blasphemous, murdering adulterers at heart. We violated God's law. We don't have any hope because he's a perfect judge. And when the judge judges perfectly, he says, look, I know that you might have uh, been a good person. You volunteer on the weekends, but you violated the law. And I'm not judging you based on how good you are. I'm judging based on the law. And the law says you've committed X crime. Your penalty is death. But here's the good news. The judge took our place. He said, you know, the laws demand the fulfillment of the law is that blood be shed. And I will legally take your place and take your punishment and have all of the consequences of the law put on myself if you would take my place. And so Jesus, being God in the flesh, he made this legal transaction for us. He gave us the opportunity to exchange places with him. So as he was the sinner on the cross being crucified, taking on the weight of our violation of God's law, we can now be born anew and we can have his place as a person who is righteous, which means we are in right standing with God as if we never violated the law. But it is just that. It's a legal exchange. And what salvation truly is, is being the person's representative as he represented me and paid the penalty, I now represent him as a person who never violated God's law. And that salvation is given to us 
as a free gift of God. It cost him bloodshed and having his skin ripped off while he was whipped by a cat of nine tails and being stripped naked and humiliated in front of people. It cost him everything. But he offers it to us as a free gift. And so we can be born into his kingdom. We can become part of his kingdom and become a legal representative of who he is. And then we continue every day being that representative by being like he is. We continue to grow and to have his nature and to be his representative every day because he is our representative and our advocate every day. And so we're going to talk more about this in detail and uh, how you can fine-tune your own salvation, as Paul writes, working out our own salvation with fear and trembling, and maybe get to some of those more interesting questions we talked about in the introduction. Again, this is Ask the Preacher. You can call in 863-682-1430, and we will see you in just a few. Hey, but right now, let's get back to more of Ask the Preacher, as we do every Friday from 5 until 6 here on Talk Radio 96.7. It's brought to you by Believer's Fellowship. And let's get back to George. Welcome back from the break. I know you all missed me in that uh, two-minute gap, but I'm back, and we're going to keep our conversation going. You can join in on the conversation by calling 863-682-1430. That might have been a little fast. Let me give you the phone number one more time, 863-682-1430. And just before we went to the break, we were talking about salvation, what it is. And I gave a quick recap. I'd encourage you, if you missed it, go back, askthepreacher.com. Next week, listen to the intro. Listen to the first segment there because uh, I, I did my best to explain it thoroughly. But we're going to tackle some of the almost lightning round style. I, I, I usually will say to you guys, like, here's the, the scripture reference. Google it yourself. Look it up. It's pretty easy to do. Everybody has a phone nowadays. But we're going to go kind of lightning round and we're going to define some terms. So we know that we've all violated God's law. And we use this term everybody's probably heard it, this term sin, and I'm I'm a sinner, and you're a sinner, and sin, sin, you know. But nobody really knows what it means. We don't really take a moment to digest what that is, and it's very simply defined in 1 John 3, 4. 1 John 3, 4 just says that sin is the transgression of God's law. It is violating the law. Pretty simple. Then Romans 6.23 tells us that when we do this, we actually earn a paycheck. When we violate the law, we have a payment that is due to us, and that payment is death. And we talked in previous episodes of Ask the Preacher about what is that death? You know, Why didn't Adam and Eve physically die in that moment that they violated the one rule that we know they had. Well, you know, why didn't they physically die? And we've talked about how death is separation from God's presence because he is the essence of life. So sin, violation of the law, we have all violated his law. Our payment is this death. But the judge himself, Yahweh, the uncreated God, revealed himself in the person of Jesus, Yeshua, and he himself paid our penalty creating a legal exchange. And he not only allows us to have a legal exchange in the uh, aspect of death, we can, we can pass from death unto life, but he also removes the curse that violating the law brings upon us. Uh, scripture tells us that God speaking to the children of Israel when he's giving 
more of his law. So the first law he gave to Adam and Eve was, hey, just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then he put moral laws into their hearts. And, you know, Cain and Abel, Cain killed his brother. That was obviously bad. God warned about violating the law, sin, laying at the door, waiting to consume him. And then he reveals more of his law uh, to the children of Israel when they come out of Egypt. And so He's setting the law before him and he says, you know, I, I set before you life and death, choose life that you might live. And if you violate the law, there's going to be these consequences, these curses that come upon you. And, and Jesus removed those curses as well. So when we exchange places with him, not only do we pass from death to life, but the curse is removed from us. Um, and that is why we can have great expectation that uh, God heals us. And that we don't have to live in poverty. And that's different than moments of hardship and tribulation. Um, but we're not, our focus isn't that today. And, and here's why. I want to give a quick foundation of what salvation is. And here's the teaser. Question for you. Is it possible that an action you take today could prevent you from being able to receive God's gift of salvation a year from now. Is it possible, theoretically, that something you do today could revoke your salvation down the road? And we're going to tackle these things and talk about it. So if that intrigues you, hang in to the radio program and keep listening. But we're going to kind of go lightning around some things about salvation. You know, 1 Peter 1 uh, 12, I think it is, tells us that the angels themselves marvel at this gift of salvation, this ability for humans to pass from death to life. And then Romans 8, 21, 22, Romans 8, 22, I think, tells us that creation itself is longing. It is groaning. It is got this expectation of redemption to come. And then we also know that uh, in order for sin to be paid for, to be dealt with, right? So, so Romans 6.23 says that violating the law, you get a paycheck of death. But we know in Hebrews 9 that uh, it requires, it's Hebrews 9.22, I believe, says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There's no removal. There's no forgiveness of sin. It requires the shedding of blood. Now, maybe we'll talk about this if, if you call in and ask, or if you go to askthepreacher.com and submit your questions. Maybe we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a, another episode, maybe next week. But a uh, little Easter egg for you, a little, little bunny trail. Did you guys know that when Adam and Eve were first created, they were created flesh and bone, and that blood was something that most likely, in my opinion, came afterwards, and that our mortal life is in our blood. And we can talk about all the weird things about that and how that, that ties into it, but it requires the shedding of blood for our sins to be forgiven. The angels marvel at it, and creation longs for Christ to return and make everything new again. What we know from Scripture is that salvation itself is only for one group of creation. This act of being born again is for one group. It's for human beings. Because a human being, 
in Romans 8, and we'll read this after our break here in a little bit. Romans 8 tells us that Adam violated the law. When he did, sin entered the world. But life comes through this second Adam, Jesus Christ. And that it is humanity that is now able to partake in this gift. But there's something that's happening that happened before in history. We are now getting to the stage in human history again where our genetics are being manipulated. And here's a question I want to propose to you, and we'll talk about it when we come back from the break. If you are not a human, if you are something more than a human, is it possible that a human being's payment for your sin can cover your sin? Is it possible that if you change your genetics and no longer qualify as a human being, that despite your best hopes and desires, you won't be saved? My contention before we go to the break is, yeah, absolutely, you can miss out on salvation by changing your genetics just in the same manner, like we talked about in our introduction. There are people who sincerely believe in their Jesus their Jesus, who shares a lot of characteristics of the biblical Jesus, sounds pretty similar, but it's a different entity. He's a different God, a different character altogether. And Jesus says, wide is the gate, many who will enter in, and they're going to miss salvation. But narrow is the way and few who find the true path and true salvation. So we're going to talk about this a little bit more in depth when we come back from the break. You are listening to Ask the Preacher. The phone number to call in, share your thoughts, ask your questions, either on topic or off topic, is 863-682-1430. We'll see you in just a minute. The second half of Ask the Preacher just kicked off, and we're talking about it right now with George sitting in for John. Welcome back from the break, you beautiful people. We missed you. And I just want to remind you that to call in, you can have your questions answered. You can ask something that's either on topic or off topic or whatever you like. It's 863-682-1430. You can also share your thoughts on today's conversation. And we're kind of doing a little bit of uh, back to the basics, talking about what salvation is and how we obtain it. But we're also getting into maybe some of the weirder things that um, I believe are, are pretty significant for not only uh, salvation, but for what's happening in the future and what's coming upon us. And I wanted to read, uh, I mentioned before we went to the break, uh, Romans 8. And man, we could talk about we could talk about salvation and the wonderful mystery that is salvation for hours and hours. But what I want to get across is this. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It's a verse that my kids just learned uh, at Ardella Baptist Church, I think. So shout out to Ardella for the good work you're doing. But it's Romans 8, 14. It says, For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit the Holy Spirit, itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we are the children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So I want to make sure that I 
make this as plainly obvious as possible. I do not believe that we can be good enough to pay off our payment of sin. We violated the law. Our punishment is death. It doesn't matter how good you are, either before you trust Jesus or after you trust in Jesus. That good work in and of itself does not save you. What saves us is having his spirit. By trusting in his legal transaction and that his righteousness is now imparted to us. And this is vitally important because even though we don't gain our salvation from being perfect and we can't lose our salvation by being imperfect, the Bible constantly warns us time and time again, and there's, there's tons of verses that talk about us enduring, enduring to the end, not giving up, running with patience the race that is before us. And one of those verses is from Jesus himself. And, and I like to take this with a grain of salt. I know there's probably some weird cult out there that, you know, believes in something and they, they use the same term. Um, but there's a term that I've heard and I like. It's called the doctrine of Christ. It is what did Jesus himself teach in the the red letters? And um, I think it's pretty interesting if we look at Matthew 24. In Matthew 24, Jesus is talking to his best friends. We often call them the disciples, but it's it's his best friends while he was here on earth physically. And he's talking to them and they're asking him, you know, what, what's the signs of the end? How do we know the end of the world is coming? You know, what, what are all these things? And read Matthew 24 on your own. But what I want to point out that's pretty interesting to me is Jesus is talking about uh, in Matthew 24, 29, he talks about uh, immediately after the tribulation of those days. And just before that, uh, he talks about, let's see, it is uh, in the, the verses prior to that, Jesus is talking about enduring to the end. And he talks about how there's going to be turmoil and there's going to be chaos and there's going to be all this tribulation going on. But it's uh, he that endures to the end will be saved. And that is, I think, pretty important is that we endure. We continue in our good works and we avoid sin. Well, again, what is sin? It's violation of God's law. So we are not brought into his family by our good works. We can't be kicked out because we make a mistake, but we do have to endure. We have to continue to be his representative, to be like him. First John 5, 4 says, as he is, so am I, so are you who believe on this present earth. But what's really interesting is he talks about this enduring to the end. And then he mentions in verse 29, he says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. Then the son of, of man will appear. And he goes on and he talks about how it was in the days of Noah in verse 36. He says, but no one knows the hour, not even the angels in heaven, but only the father. Verse 37, Matthew 24, 37. But as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also the coming of the son of man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and they were marrying and giving into marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark. And we can go on and read and there's a lot of 
uh, differing viewpoints on it. But what I think is interesting is this very specific thing Jesus points out, this days of Noah. And then he goes on to explain that, yeah, they were eating and drinking and they were just living their lives and they were marrying and giving into marriage. But when you look at who was being married in the days of Noah, that is from Genesis chapter 6. And in Genesis chapter 6, it uses this very interesting phrase talking about Noah. Uh, Genesis 6, 1, it came to pass when man began to multiply in the face of the earth and the daughters were born unto them that the sons of God, that term in Hebrew is the benign Elohim, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men and that they were fair and they took for them wives, all which they chose. And then God goes on to say, look, my spirit is not going to dwell with them. All of the flesh on earth is being corrupted and there were giants in those days. And my contention, I think if you let the Bible interpret itself plainly and you don't try to read into the Bible, you just let the text say what the text says, it's pretty obvious. These benign Elohim, which are not the good sons of God, some theologians will say it's the Sethite view that these people who were following God, they were, they were taking daughters from Cain. No, no. They were angels. They were angelic beings mating with women, causing this genetic impurity, which led to the giants. We could talk about that for hours. It's just pretty irrefutable. It might sound weird to some of you out there, but bear with me here. There's a reason why God sent the flood. It wasn't just because people were wicked and vile. If you want to see uh, an absolutely vile, wicked place, go to San Francisco. I mean, joking aside, it's a cesspool. There's people doing all kinds of horrible things with children, in front of children, to children. Uh, go to any, you know, major Democrat city in the United States or, or anywhere else in the world. I mean, look at places like, uh, you know, Middle East and, and these places with dictatorships where people are tormented and tortured. There's horrible things that go on all the time since man fell. But what was different about the days of Noah is there was this incursion, if you will. All flesh on earth was corrupt. And what's really interesting is when God begins to talk about Noah. And he says in verse 8, But Noah found grace in the eyes of Yahweh, God. Verse 9, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. What was unique about Noah is that he wasn't just the only person who was righteous, who followed God, but he was one who followed God and specifically pointed out here in the Bible in black and white. He was perfect in his generations. His genetic line wasn't corrupted. See, there was a legal standing all the way back at the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. So we're kind of going back in time here. In Genesis chapter 3, man fell. Eve was seduced. She was beguiled by this shining one. Adam, being a perfect man, loved her so perfectly, he chose to partake and bear her punishment with her. But then there was also this shining one, this Nakash, and God mentions how there will be enmity between the shining ones, the serpent, the devil's seed, and the woman's seed. And every scholar agrees that the woman's seed is a messianic prophecy. But what is the seed of the serpent? And there's much debate about it, but I think it's pretty, um, pretty obvious in Scripture if you just let it interpret itself. 
It's this genetic manipulation that occurred in Genesis chapter 6. Again, call in with your questions. Beg to differ. We can talk about it. But that's why God sent the flood. And then Jesus mentions enduring to the end. Don't give up on doing good works. Continue to follow me. But as it was in the days of Noah, so it'll be when I return. And what was happening in the days of Noah is people were messing with their genetics. They were becoming corrupt because if you're not a human, the seed of the woman, a human seed, cannot cover your sin. Romans 6, 7, 8, and 9 tell us how Adam messed up. Adam was the reason that we're all in this fallen world, but Jesus came to restore us. But if you're not human, a human sacrifice can't cover you. We're going to talk a little bit more about this and how it uh, is important to our modern world and what's happening with society when we come back. 863-682-1430. We'll see you in just a few moments. Fourth and final segment coming up for Ask the Preacher here on Talk Radio 96.7, brought to you by Believers Fellowship Church. Sitting in for John Freed is George. Welcome back, you beautiful people. Just a reminder, 863-682-1430, or you can go to askthepreacher.com. So we're talking about salvation today, and we're breaking down what it is. How am I saved? What is required of me to continue uh, in my salvation, and is it possible that I can do something that will prevent me, despite my best hopes and efforts and desires, could I do something that would prevent me from being saved? Is that even possible? Just before the break, we were talking about how it was in the days of Noah and what was happening in the days of Noah, according to Genesis chapter 6, and why God sent the flood. And again, quick recap, it wasn't just that men were wicked, because men have been wicked since the flood. It points out that all flesh in Genesis chapter 6, all flesh was corrupt and being corrupt. But this one man, Noah, was not only in right standing with God because of his trust in God, but he was also perfect in his generations. His genealogy was untainted. And, you know, there's a lot of criticisms from people like Richard Dawkins and, and other people who would proclaim themselves to be wise and say things like, well, the God of the Old Testament is a homicidal, you know, genocidal maniac who, who is uh, uh, just a terrible person, and, and that contradicts with this loving Jesus. No, Jesus is the God of the Old Testament. Um, last week we talked about that. How can God be the Father, the Son, and the Spirit? Well, the same way that I am a husband, and I am a father, and I am a son— I am one person that has three roles and three relationships with people. And this God of the universe, this uncreated one, Yahweh, he is the father in heaven who is perfect, who, who uh, controls the show, if you will. And, and he reveals himself as the son, Yeshua, same entity, different uh, role, if you will. He took our payment and then he gives us his spirit to indwell in us those who believe and trust him and ask to receive his nature. So uh, I, I want to clarify any confusion that's there. But we see that this story in Genesis chapter 6, right? So there's this genetic corruption, and Jesus mentions in chapter 24 of Matthew how, look, as in the days of Noah, it's going to be when the Son of Man returns. And so I want to read something that is not in the Bible. This is... Uh, don't, don't turn off your radios. Hear me with a grain of salt. 
This is from the Lund University in Malmule, Sweden. They have found that certain mRNA vaccines do in fact enter the human liver cells and trigger the cell's DNA in the nucleus to increase the production of line one gene expression to make mRNA. The whole process takes about six hours when they were doing their study. there are other articles that have been coming out from from people who wouldn't necessarily agree with my theological points of view that say, yeah, you know what, this does uh, alter DNA. And, and, and not just do we have the capability nowadays of vaccines possibly altering your DNA. We, we see other things happening in the world. You may not be aware of, but do you guys, uh, you can Google it, they grow human ears on rats. They have made in China a monkey embryo that was implanted with human DNA. They're corrupting genetics again, and it is my contention, and maybe if we hear from enough of you, we'll, we'll dig a little deeper on this on a future episode, but it is my contention that part of what is coming upon us is this promise that you will live forever. You will not die if you change your genetics. Coming down the road, there are promises, and these are not science fiction things. These aren't things that I'm making up. You can just Google it yourself. Look at the research yourself. They're, they're now saying that we can use gene therapy to possibly cure cancers. There's what's called CRISPRs, where you can genetically design your baby in the womb by adding or taking away certain letterings from the human genome. We're, we're beginning to manipulate human genetics. And so I think it's very possible based on all of the things that we see in scripture, that the angels marvel at salvation, that Romans tells us sin entered the world through Adam and salvation is given to us because of what Christ has done, that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin, that all other creation, every part of creation longs and moans and groans for this redemption of something to come, I think it's possible that in the very near future, we're going to see the promise of living forever. Now, it's a false promise, but living forever by changing your genetics. And when you do that, you will no longer be a human. Now, to what extent you have to change your DNA to no longer be a human, that I'm not sure. I don't know. But I do know this. 10 out of 10 people will die. So whether you live long enough to see these things coming upon the world or whether it is your appointed time to die, as Hebrews 9 tells us, it is appointed man wants to die. Ten out of ten people will die. And when you die, you will stand before the Creator and you will answer the violation of His law. And you will either stand before Him on your own good works or you will stand before Him trusting in what Jesus did. And so I encourage you to trust in what Jesus did and find out who Jesus is. Because just like the example we gave earlier, there's a lot of people who have their own ideas about who he is. And Jesus asked that question all the time. Who do you say I am? Find out. Jeremiah 33.3. If you want to know me, seek me with your whole heart unbiasedly, and I will show you things you can't begin to imagine. You've been listening to Ask the Preacher. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you next week. In the meantime, you can go to askthepreacher.com. See you next week, everybody.